College sports will never be the same after 2023, and today we are looking back at a landscape-altering year. It's Wednesday, December 27th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. This was one of the most consequential years in the history of college sports, and today we are looking back on it with front office sports reporter Amanda Kristovich. Welcome, Amanda. Hey, how's it going? Good. Good to have you uh, to sum up this this crazy year. Uh, first of all, would you agree with my my intro there that this was you know one of the biggest years in the for college sports? Yeah, definitely. Um, I feel like we say that where we have been saying that every year for the past like two or three years, but it's like every January, I think to myself, could things possibly get more ridiculous than they were last year? I like, I don't see how that would be possible and every year I'm proven wrong. So I think that's accurate. Right. I mean, there, there's the NIL moment, right. Um, when you know, the Austin decision that opens things up. And I, I was going to ask you at some point, you know, to what degree everything we saw this year was sort of dominoes that started with that. Um, but we can get into that. Um, but I think this year, you know, the the big, you know, movement, a lot of things moved forward in terms of like athlete compensation. We'll get to all that, how how athletes are empowering themselves. Um, but in, st- in terms of stuff that like is absolutely different from what it was a year ago, conference realignment. The Pac-12, as we know it, is gone. There may, as you've pointed out on the show a number of times, there may continue to be something called the Pac-12, but what we think of as the Pac-12 is done. Um, In terms of why that happened, where does that story start for you? Well, I mean, the story starts like many years ago with the Pac-12's last media deal. Um, when uh, former commissioner Larry Scott was still sort of at the helm of the conference. Um, You know, ultimately, the Pac-12 had a media deal um, that created a conference network, which was, you know, a huge win for visibility for Olympic sports. But the Pac-12, unlike other conference networks, didn't sell it to anybody so they had to like make their own distribution they didn't have a partner like fox or espn like other conferences did with their networks and that really diminished the visibility of the network and therefore diminished the value of it um so they were like playing catch up coming into this year trying to um you know sign a lucrative media rights deal because lucrative media rights deals are the only thing uh, that keeps a major FBS conference together. And even then, like, there's no guarantee. So, um, you know, the story, I guess, really starts last year with USC and UCLA joining um, the Big Ten or saying that they were going to join the Big Ten. And um, Commissioner George Klievkoff, um saying that, you know, he thought the conference was in a good position for media rights um, and that as soon as the Big 12 signed their historic deal, that the Pac-12 was going to start negotiating. Um, those negotiations took a year, uh, like 14 months. Um, and ultimately what he came up with was a deal 
with Apple TV, uh, where any revenue above about $20 million was subject to um, subscription revenue. Um, They didn't have the reach of linear networks with this Apple TV deal. They didn't have, um, you know, the promise of revenue. And so as a result, um, the conference disintegrated, Um, you know, all but two members uh, decided to join the Big Ten, the Big 12 or the ACC, uh, all of whom had more lucrative media deals. So um, where we are now is uh, at the end of the year, Oregon State and Washington State, the only two remaining members, uh, are suing the Pac-12 for control of the conference so that they can retain the assets, the intellectual property, everything. Um, And they can potentially rebuild the conference or take the assets with them to maybe the Mountain West. They've got a football scheduling partnership with the Mountain West for next year. Um, But, you know, things are really bleak. And I think everyone says conference realignment is the biggest story of 2023. And I would add to that the the disintegration of a 108-year-old conference due to you know, the cannibalization of Power 5 media rights um, negotiations is like, you know, going to be probably um, a turning point in college sports in the future. Do you feel that one of the Power 5 conferences was going to have this happen where they were going to be the one left out of, they were, one of them was going to have a bad media deal or a bad media situation compared to the other ones? And that, you know, big schools would start to jump ship and then the medium sized schools would start to jump ship. And then all of a sudden you don't have a conference anymore. Was that kind of inevitable for someone or did the Pac-12 just very badly misplay its hand here or both? Um, I think yes to both. Um, Ultimately, there are a lot of folks who have been saying for a really long time. Well, okay, maybe not a really long time, but like the past couple of years that um, the Big Ten and the SEC. Yeah, I mean, look, in, in this role, in this beat, it's like time doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Like, it's just all like... I mean, yeah, everything. think of stuff that happened in January and February. It's like, that was still 2023? Like, oof. Exactly, oh. <laughs> exactly. So I think the answer is yes to both. I think there are a lot of folks who have been saying that the Big Ten and the SEC are going to become the AFC and the NFC of college, FBS college football, I mean, you know, look at their media rights deals. They are um, in a league of their own uh, compared to the rest of the power conferences. However, I will say that, you know, the Big 12 made a really strong push in terms of stability. Um, Their new commissioner, Brett, well, somewhat new commissioner, Brett Yormark, um, is being, he's very aggressive, Um, He's aggressive and he signed a very smart media rights deal um, that was at a time, you know, last fall signed at a time when everyone thought that the Big 12 was maybe going to be a little underpaid with this deal, um, that it was a little, you know, kind of on the safe side. Ultimately, it turned out to be brilliant because essentially a month later, the economy collapsed and that was why Pac-12 got messed up. So um, I do think, though, that if the Pac-12 had been able to offer a media rights deal at least 
as lucrative as that of the ACC, um, they would have stuck together. At, so I, I think we would have had at least a couple more years of the current Power Five structure. Uh-huh. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and I was going to ask you, you know, for the, the now Power Four, um, what the balance of power is there? Because, yeah, as you were just saying, it's it's not like everyone's got 25% of the pie here. I mean, look, it's the Big Ten and the SEC, and then it's everyone else. Um, I think that when we look towards basketball season, the Big 12 is very impressive. Um, I think that... You know, it's it's hard to talk about the power dynamics because in the NCA structure, all of them have like relatively equal voting rights. They're all like elevated the autonomy stru- uh, voting structure. Um, you know, SEC and ACC are ESPN conferences. Uh, the Big Ten is primarily a Fox conference, but also you know NBC and CBS. Um, you know, the Big 12 is the only one that kind of like straddles the two. So it's kind of a difficult question to answer. Uh-huh. Um, sort of depends on the time of year almost. Yeah. And it depends how you define power, right? Um, and, and how you define influence. I think, you know, everyone's talking about how, the Florida state um, quote unquote snub not being put into the 14 college football playoff is going to cause the disintegration of the ACC because FSU has wanted to leave for a long time. And now they're like, well, why would we, you know, let's reboot that effort because we can't get into the college football playoff. But what people who are saying that aren't thinking about is that next year, the college football playoff is changing to 12 teams. So it would almost be better for them to stay in the ACC. That would almost, be a better guarantee of a spot because some of those spots are reserved for conference champions um, in the power conferences. So, you know, it's really hard to say who is going to be the most in power, you know, what balance of power the Big 12 and the ACC will have when the Big 10 and the SEC are far and away ahead of everybody else. But, you know, there are other conferences. Yeah, there are other conferences. There are also other sports. How does uh, all this conference realignment, we focus so much on football, but how is that going to impact basketball and other sports? Ultimately, um, the biggest sports that are going to be impacted by this are the ones where travel is, you know, multi-week travel is a reality. So think soccer, think basketball, think, you know, volleyball to an extent. Um, you know, I spoke with athletes who were at schools that will be now in conferences where like Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Berkeley, where they're going to be traveling across the country, um, multiple times a season. And they're all concerned about that. Like even the ones who are excited about, um, this new move to a new conference, they are concerned about like what their quality of life is going to be like. How are they going to study and go to class? I mean, literally, how are they going to get to class, right, is a question that a lot of them are not being told the answer to. Um, so I think the quality of life is going to be a, the number one thing. And then I think 
the number two thing is going to be rivalries. Um, the question, you know, is will a lot of these conference rivalries survive with this new structure? Like USC and UCLA will survive because they're both going to the Big Ten. They'll be in the same conference, right? Um, Oregon versus Oregon State may not survive. They are going to have to make a concerted effort to, you know, sign contracts to create non-conference matchups like Georgetown and Syracuse do, right? Um, So obviously that's not as important as quality of life for the athletes, but it's definitely like a consideration for fans and it's a consideration for ticket sales and other, you know, just like the fun of college sports. Yeah, absolutely. I want to hop over to athlete compensation, uh, revenue sharing, whatever we want to call it. Not happening yet, but that feels like it's gone from something that was almost taboo to talk about not that long ago, you know, a year or two ago to something that feels like it's going to happen one way or another. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think that we didn't see as much movement on this, in my opinion, as I thought we were going to. You know, in the month of December, Charlie Baker, the NCAA president, uh, released a proposal about, um, you know, allowing the richest schools to put money in a trust fund for athletes. Um, you know, everyone was like talking about how this was like historic and revolutionary and blah, 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 blah. Personally, I don't see it that way. I see it as um, a last ditch attempt to maintain the status quo. I see it as um, a way to placate the people who are saying that the athlete should get a share of the revenue because it's not media rights revenue. It's not employment. It's not unionization. Um, We saw two major national labor relations board cases this year uh, before the year is out. I am going to be covering, uh, I covered one trial, I'll be covering another trial in Los Angeles. Um, You know, we didn't, essentially, we didn't get answers on any of these things this year, but we did get a lot of setup where I think 2024 is going to potentially um, give at least one major ruling in a federal, you know, probably not the federal court cases because those move slower but in the National Labor Relations Board on this athlete employment issue. And can one of those cases or some kind of event sort of push this into a a decision somewhere where something happens? (laughs) A decision somewhere where something happens is the big question. (laughs) (laughs) As it always is. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, one of these NLRB cases is going to be decided. Um, about whether or not athletes have the right to unionize or whether or not they should be classified as employees, right? That decision is going to be appealed uh, no matter where it goes. Uh, it will be appeal- appealed to the NLRB's national office. We'll probably see, um, you know, some sort of trial next year on that. And then it'll probably be appealed again, like whoever loses up to the Supreme Court, and we will see if the Supreme Court agrees to take the case. So we are not going to see a decision that I think changes everything unless there is a law passed in Congress, which is another story. Um, I don't, you know, because the appeals process drags out these cases for years, but we will um, potentially see a decision that could be upheld. Does that make sense? Like, it won't be final, but it may be what we end up with come 2025. Mm, gotcha. 
Um, before we let you go, I'll just give you a chance to throw anything else you want to in, you know, year in review or future look ahead. Uh, any other kind of big narratives here that, that you would toss in? It seems like it was 100 years ago, but um, Women's March Madness obviously had a historic year this past year. Um, and so I think looking ahead, the biggest question that I have for uh, women's basketball is how the NCAA is going to um, structure and sell that media rights deal, which is coming up, that they're working on it now. We'll get an answer sometime in 2024. Um, we'll see if the NCAA can get the value that the deal uh, should be worth. So I think that would be like the only other thing that I'm really keeping an eye on. I mean, look, obviously we're going to get college football playoff media rights for the 12 team playoff, but um you know, I think it's pretty clear that, that is going to be um, an extremely lucrative deal. So I definitely think that a bigger bellwether uh, for a sport is going to be the women's basketball deal. All right. Well, Amanda Kristovich, thank you for guiding us through this bizarro, very consequential, momentous year in college sports. And thank you for joining us on the show. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Happy New Year. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with, uh, you know, the the entire industry, which is in a completely different place than it was this time last year. That's it for today. Subscribe and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow.